Let's bring in our powerhouse roundtable, ABC News political analyst Matthew Dowd, Shauna Thomas. We welcome Washington Bureau Chief for Vice News, ABC News, Cokie Roberts, and former New Jersey governor and ABC News contributor Chris Christie. Welcome all of you. Chris Christie, I want to start with you. You, you just heard what uh, Senator Collins said. This Supreme Court nominee is so important. She said she could not support anyone who wanted to overturn Roe v. Wade. Well, listen, I think that everyone's going to have their own view on this, and, and, I, and I, I don't think you're going to have anybody who's going to be that outright about giving their opinion on that case or any other case. And so Senator Collins is going to have to do what every other senator is going to have to do, which is look back at the person's record as a judge, if they've been on the bench for any kind of long period of time, look at their record and their writings and everything else and try to divine from that what they think might happen. I think in the end, though, what the president is most likely to do is to pick someone who he believes takes the right type of judicial approach but has a judicial temperament that's going to be very difficult to attack. Well, it, it doesn't seem there's any indication that he's going to choose someone who's more moderate, like no. Justice Kennedy. No. Well, no, I don't think no. so. And, I, and, and by the way, you know, I, I, I kind of laugh about this a little bit as a Republican. Like, who's the who's the moderate on the on the Democratic side on that has been selected lately? I mean, you might be able to argue Justice well, Breyer every once in a while, but certainly not, you know, Kagan or Ginsburg or but Sotomayor. Pre president. President Clinton thought Ginsburg was. Uh, you know, he was he was he was unhappy about that. But um, but I think the notion of Donald Trump judging somebody's temperament is somewhat odd, and uh, I'm, I'm not sure that that's something he's able to do. Uh, I think that it's going to be very much advice coming from people in the Senate. And, and Matt, do Democrats really have any power to defeat Trump's nominee? Well, this is a exclamation point of why elections have consequences. Right, exactly. And the president has a complete right to nominate a conservative judge, judge to the court. That's what, I mean, Democrats had that right when they held the presidential office. I do think that it's, and the, but the Democrats have an obligation and a right of advice and consent and to raise concerns and to generate enthusiasm for what their beliefs are in this. I do think we've come to a point, and, the, and reflected in your piece of how divided the country is, is that I would hope the president would consider possibly nominating somebody that would get more than 50 or 51 votes because I think that's the problem we're in. I mean, that's well, only until... Well, good luck with that. that, <clears throat> that but I think possible? that's the problem. That's well, listen, the problem. We have, listen, we have people... My own senator from New Jersey, Cory Booker, has already said that he, there's no one the president could nominate that he would vote for. Well, so how do you get, get he'd big get killed in the Democratic Party if he did. I'm not saying it's that I smart. Get just the reality <laughs> of today. From a campaigning point of view, the Democrats, they know there's nothing they can do, right? So it's how long can we have this conversation right. about the next time around, making sure there are more Democratic senators, that kind of thing. All they can do is use it to campaign in 2018 at this point. And so I think one of the things is we're not even going to see any kind of hearings until probably, what, October? They will be able to keep making this an issue. That's about it. And you, you've looked into what kind of potential cases the court yes. could take up. This isn't just about Roe v. Wade. No, it's not. It's about a lot of the little cases that are working their way through the courts right now that um, deal with abortion, that deal with gerrymandering, that deal with all of these things. And those are the things, and we saw it. We saw it on Thursday when you had Senator Booker, Senator Kamala Harris, all these people in front of the Supreme Court railing about they have to do everything. What they can do is keep talking and keep yelling about it and make sure that people know that some of those cases, like what we see in Iowa with the 72-hour um, 
the 72-hour ban, uh, what we've seen in Mississippi as well as in Louisiana, that people have those cases in mind, that they know that they need to go to the ballot box to vote for something, and that this is a step towards 2020. And really, you know, elections do have consequences when it comes to Supreme Court nominations. I covered the Bork nomination. and Remind us was, about that. Well, so what happened was Robert Bork was nominated uh, by President Reagan and was a very conservative justice. And people think that he did himself in in the hearings. Because he did behave in the hearings in a way that was quite arrogant. And I remember when he was asked, why do you want this job? Instead of saying, I want to serve the public, all of that, he said, because it's an intellectual feast. So it was all about him. Mm -hmm. And that didn't work for him. But the truth is, he had lost before the hearings because of the election. So what and the lessons I, learned there? And the lessons learned were that I, I remember talking to a Southern moderate Democrat when such things existed. And, um, and he's, I expected him to say, I'm for Bork. And he said, I was elected by women and blacks. That's who elected me. Who's against Bork? Women and blacks. I'm so I'm going to, I'm going to, let me wax philosophical for just a <laughs> oh, second. No. Oh, 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 wow. Just a second. Can I be <laughs> If we so eliminate the expectation that we can't have nominees anymore that have, can bridge the, bridge the divide, then we're basically have decided the country is so divided that, that we may not bother anymore. And today is the anniversary of Gettysburg. Right, and in a time which we're in incredible divisions, the greatest battle loss of any battle in the history of the country, and uh, Lincoln's words at the Gettysburg Address, part of that address that he gave, where he said, "We are now engaged in a great civil war, right. testing the idea, the proposition that a country so conceived and so dedicated can long endure." And I think if once we say, "Well, there's no way the country's too divided, we got to do this. This is the way it's going to be," I think there should be an expectation of the president that he nominates somebody that isn't able to get Democratic votes. I think we should keep that expectation. You can well, wax philosophical yeah. all you want, my dad. I, I just want to say on this 1,500-mile drive, yeah. that divide was so stark, people so dug in. Uh, it, it was really eye-opening. It's and, the greatest danger to our republic. That is the greatest danger. Well, wasn't Merrick Garland, like, Garland the example yeah, of what you're saying what, already? And, yes, and look what so happened. happened. Right. Yeah, but, but, but look what know, happened. Thank God we have no huge moral issue like slavery when there can't be nothing like slavery. Uh, we have a more we have many moral issues. Well, Immigration not, is a moral but issue. But I agree with you completely, but it's not something that we're gonna go to war over. Well, well yeah, yeah, wait a second. Though, does Donald Trump take any blame for this division? Well listen, everybody who's involved in public life takes blame. I mean, let's face it, everybody who's involved in public life today takes a piece of the blame for where we are and I don't think it's just the president, although he's the president, so everybody wants to talk about that. But I also, maybe it's because I'm from New Jersey, but I do believe that there, this country was, was founded on the idea of argument. It was, far, it was founded on that idea of debate, division at times. And but then people came, going at each other. But then came together. Well, listen, mean, but I don't believe that 51 votes is not coming together. You know, I mean, in the end, in the end, for this and, and, and for Supreme Court nominees, that are in this time where the issues are so stark, you're not going to find that any longer. And I would also... But it wasn't until recently they made it... It used to be 60 votes. Right, but, exactly. but wait a second, we're and, talking about... We're, we're, and talk we're, about shooting yourself in the foot. We're talking about <laughs> 25 years or so, Matt. Not a recent development since we've no, had that. No, no, no. But the we, 60 votes 60 is within the last just, six years, right. five years. Oh. 60 votes yeah. in the last Sean, five when, years. When they turn the cameras off on the Hill and elsewhere, mm -hmm. is it different? Do you, do you yeah. sense that it's different? There's more. I, I, I will say on this trip that the camera's on, you're fake news, you're this, you're that. But 
people were so kind to me right. and, yeah. and welcoming. I mean, there were two women, one woman who just absolutely loved Trump, walking with her friend who absolutely loved Hillary Clinton. So the country's divided in some places, but are they behind the scenes? I, I think behind the scenes, especially with senators who've been there a long time, I think they're still somewhat friendly. Yes. I think they still somewhat like each other. I think they want to figure out a better way to do this, but they also, when the cameras are on or they're back in their home districts or they know they have an election coming up, they have to say what they have to say. I think it's a little different in the House because there's so many new people and we're probably going to have a lot of turnover again. Right. Um, but there, but there are some you know, friendships. I play in a congressional there, softball right, game, exactly. and on the other side are women from Congress right. who are Republicans and Democrats, and they enjoy hanging out. I know, but you know what? It's much truer among the women. Yes, much this truer. Is true. And the, the really the last bit of bipartisanship in the Senate is among the women. And, the and by the way, you know, I mean, we're focused on the elected officials. I, I think your point is much more important. Among the American people, we still like each other. That we can have true. these political arguments, but and I, we can have disagreements, and, and it's only the extremes in both sides who make this a make-or-break issue at every cocktail party, at every barbecue. But, but I think there's a that. fear. I think there's a fear among people, and this is totally anecdotal, but I see my mom, 77-something years old, in Texas, <laughs> southern black woman, lived through the civil rights era, and she is is scared. And some of this is watching too much MSNBC, don't get me wrong. But yes, please, stop she, her. But she is worried about where the country is going, more so worried than during the civil rights era, which I was not alive for, clearly. Well, and that that worry is going to continue to tear people apart yeah, I agree further. With well, there's there's major consensus. The thing is, the voters are united in in many ways on many things. There's major consensus on a whole series of issues. There's major consensus in the country on what we should do about immigration. There's major consensus on what we should do about guns. There's major consensus on many things on what we should do on the economy. The problem is is that our institutions and our politics no longer pays attention to what the major consensus is. So we have a practice of politics in Washington where if they went along with what 70% of the country would wanted to do, right. all of these things would but be you solved, see, but they don't. But you see why, when you see the example in New York's 14th district, fewer than 5% of the eligible voters turned out to vote. Yep. And what you have then is the most extreme people turning out to vote, and then those are the people who are elected. And quickly in New York, big surprise in New York. Absolutely. Christy, but, with yes, but no. Year old. Mm -hmm. Yes, but no. In today's environment, Party primaries are the right. most dangerous territory right. for anybody to try to navigate right now. Joe Crowley learned it this past week. And let me you tell you this. Five percent. You, know, what, <laughs> you, you right? have to pay not attention. Only you, yeah. Not only do you have to campaign, but sometimes in this environment, the most extreme are rewarded. And we've seen they that are. in a bunch but of different I, places. I, 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 let me, but I, this is, she was much more culturally in line with that district. That's true. She was much more culturally right. in line with that district. And much has been made about her stands on certain issues. Her stand on Medicare for all and her stand on single payer is way more supported by the country than Donald Trump's tax cuts, yeah. than Donald well, Trump's immigration plan, and then Donald Trump's stand on guns. Abolish ICE. Yeah. Do you think that's a good way to campaign? <laughs> I mean, that seems it's to be crazy. Right I think it's crazy. Listen, abolishing a state, well, if we want to talk about a state agency we should look at, let's also look at TSA for all of us who travel through <laughs> right. this thing. Let's also now take a look at that. Our snacks. I think the questions be raised. <laughs> Obviously, ICE and the people that work for ICE are, are a function of the leadership. And a function of what they do is a function of what they're being told to right. do and what they're encouraged to do and what's being no, unsaid. But, but, but the point of getting rid of Don't it, say but it can't get rid of it. No, it's, it's a crazy. terrible, it's a I mean, terrible idea. And, and here's what's the problem with our politics today, real quick. 
So she wins the primary by saying abolish ICE. So what happens? Kirsten Gillibrand, who's supposed to be smarter, says abolish ICE. Kamala Harris comes out there and says, and the lemmings start following right. down the line because they're following what they think was the result of a primary and they want to run for president. That's not leadership. And that's why people are cynical. Stuff like that, no one thinks we should abolish immigration customs enforcement. Come okay. on. Okay, and that's going to be the final word. Happy 4th of July. Happy 4th. Thanks for coming out today. Hi, everyone. George Stephanopoulos here. Thanks for checking out the ABC News YouTube channel. If you'd like to get more videos, show highlights, and watch live event coverage, click on the right over here to subscribe to our channel. And don't forget to download the ABC News app for breaking news alerts. Thanks for watching.